Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Come and share though. Let's give them a great big Harvey Bay welcome. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. He's a wonderful God. Fantastic. Awesome. Hey, you can take your seats. It's great to be here in Harvey Bay. And uh, I think God's going to do something good. Do you believe that? And I, I find anytime you make space for God, God does something great. And we make room for God. And I just really feel to encourage you tonight. As we're driving here in the car this afternoon, the Lord spoke to me about the scripture. It says, do not despise a day of small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices when the work begins. Do not despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices when the work begins. And I feel tonight is a seed for something for the future. And I feel that as Pastor Ross has stepped out in faith, God spoke to him, and people, he gets up from the church and says, hey, we're going to do an Easter a series of meetings. Everyone's going, why? And, uh, and uh, because I believe it's the Lord's spoken to him, and the Lord is rejoicing tonight because the work has begun. You are seed of the future. And what I saw when we were singing that song the first time, you're alive in the river, bursting, bursting. I just feel that this, this weekend is not going to be, uh, it's going to build in momentum over the years. And you're going to have so many people, it's going to be bursting at the seams. People are going to plan their holidays to come to this weekend to be refreshed by God. Others will come from other churches to be refreshed by God. But every year, I believe at this conference, this weekend, the church here in Harvey Bay at Bayside is going to be refreshed. And the, and it's not going to be hard, Pastor Ross. I believe it's going to be an easy thing, a grace thing, because the momentum of because it's like, who's ever had to dig a hole with a shovel before from nothing? You know, when before bobcats and backhoes around you to dig real things. We grew up on a farm. We had to dig fence posts sometimes if the tractor hydraulics wasn't working. And it's hard work, but I felt the Lord say that on this literal site for decades was Easter camps. And so just below the surface, the well's just there. It's just got to be unblocked. And so it's not going to be hard. There's going to be a flow in this place. And, and I believe it's just going to build and build and build and build. And so I, I want you not just to think it's one of Pastor Ross's great ideas because he had pizza last night. God is in this. God is in this and it's going to build. Do not despise a day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices when the work begins. So God is glad tonight. God is full of joy tonight because we've been obedient to step out. And what will happen is each night and each year it's going to build and build as others begin to come and it's going to be a great moment where people encounter God for the first time. Weary people are going to come and be refreshed. I'm telling you, life is busy. There's so many things making demands on our time. If we just set aside apart some time for God, He's going to refresh us and build us and refurbish us and live us in the name of Jesus. Would you just lift your hands towards the Lord? We're going to pray. Lord, we thank you tonight that you're in this place. We thank you that we are maybe ordinary people. But when we get connected to a supernatural God, we can do extraordinary things. Lord, this Bible, this good news of the gospel is filled with very ordinary people. That when they got connected to a supernatural God, did extraordinary exploits for you. So tonight, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Give hearts that are open, that the seed, the supernatural seed of God's word would be planted and bring forth fruit in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I love Easter because it's the one time in our society that even non-Christians are happy for us to celebrate Jesus. So if we're going to celebrate, let's be loud and proud. Everyone else is celebrating and raising a flag about some kind of thing they're protesting about. Well, I'm telling you, we're going to tell the world that Jesus is alive. 
that he died and he rose again on the third day. And, and, I, and, I, and I believe one of the greatest signs to a community that God's alive is a healthy church. We can have lots of healthy Christians, but what God needs is the healthy church because God's not coming back for individual Christians, the Bible says. He's coming back for the bride of Christ, which is the local church. God loves the church. In fact, the Bible says He laid down His life for that church. And I want to encourage you today. I believe as we build this weekend, I want you to each day get on the phone, get some more people to come. It's going to build Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I believe God's going to do something special because we, when we always make room for God, He comes. What does the Bible say? When we take a step towards God, as we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. We just experienced that this week. We had a week in Melbourne and you set a time side time to seek God and to be in God's presence, being God, something's going to happen in your spirit and in your life. And so I want to encourage you tonight, open up your heart. Would you turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. I love this, love this word and, and pray for us at the moment. We are we, uh, we've just planted our church in Mumbai, Pastor Sanjay and his wife, and uh, it's going, God's doing amazing. He did not know one person when he went to Mumbai. Mumbai's got 24 million people in it, the same population as Australia. And, uh, and you know, God has just blessed us. Uh, in the last 12 months, we've seen 150 people in the church grow, 40 kids. And last weekend, we had our first ever water baptismal service, and uh, 16 people were baptized. They had to drive an hour north of Mumbai because they didn't want to baptize in the pollution of the water of Mumbai. So they, they drove an hour north to another beach and they didn't want to get persecuted. And literally some of the people that have got saved are Islam and, and Hinduism, their parents have totally rejected them because of their stand for Christ. They've paid a cost to follow him. And, and uh, it's, it's, just, it's just God's just doing amazing things. Most of the, the people who joined the church and got saved are young adults and university students and call center workers that took Australian jobs. And, uh, uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, what's happening in the church and what God's doing. In fact, Robin, who's Pastor Sanjay's wife, Pastor Sanjay's born in India. And uh, uh, Pastor Robin, she's born in Batemans Bay. She's Aussie as they come. And uh, there's a person in their building. And the other week, um, she said, oh, your kids, they're beautiful mixed race kids. You're blonde Australian. Your husband's Indian. Um, hey, I'm, a, I'm an agent for Bollywood. Would your 10-year-old son like to apply for a role in a movie? And uh, the biggest movie industry in the world is not Hollywood, it's Bollywood in India. And so they went down there for uh, an audition and then one of the producers came up to him and said, Robin, uh, could I interview you for a part in a Bollywood movie? So she was Skyping and said, well, I've never acted before in my life. I said, Robin, you've been praying for opportunity to influence people. These are the most influential people in India. And so she has just got a role in her first Bollywood movie. She is, she is playing the role of a Gucci shop owner and she kicks out these poor Indians and plays a very, um, she's got to practice her American accent. So pray for them there. Pray, pray for Pastor Sanjay because um, they've just banned the sale of beef in the city where he's in. And so he's really um, believing for steak when he comes back to visit us in July. So um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 3 says this, I came to you. In weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so you might not trust in the power of God rather than human wisdom. I want to tell you, church, the world that you and I are living in is sick of words. Words from politicians, 
Right now, I, this is the worst time in my living memory of politics. We've got the far left being loud and the far right being loud and no one's being heard in middle Australia. Our world is sick of words. Leaders making promises, families making promises, Christians making statements. People want to know, is what we say as the church and Christians, is it authentic? Will Christianity really change my life or is Jesus Christ just another philosophy? Is he just another fairy tale? Is he just a fable? Is he just an historic figure? Or really is he the son of God that can change my life? I remember when I went to university in 1993 after I'd done a couple of years of Bible college and I thought I was going to get massively persecuted for my Christian faith. I remember in the politics troop, which was always in the bar because my tutorial person was a drunk and we were meeting in the bar there and one, one politics tutorial, he turned to me and said, tell me what you want to do in five years' time. And someone said this and, and I was getting really pumped up. They're going to tell them I'm going to be a Pentecostal preacher and they're going to go for me. And So people said, I'm going to be an engineer, I'm going to do this. And I said, I'm going to be a Pentecostal preacher. And they said, okay, and just keep going in circles. It's just another thought. It's just another philosophy. It's just another creeper. So what? Show me what God is going to do to change my life. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. You know, my wife... um, uh, her grandparents were evangelists around Australia for over 50 years. And they'd get a caravan, there's six kids, they travel around Australia, most of the cities in Queensland. One time when they were in New Zealand, my father-in-law, who was the eldest child, was about 12. Uh, her, her, my, my wife's grandfather came back to Adelaide for a conference and his mother uh, and the six kids stayed in Wellington. And while they were there one morning, uh, uh, my father-in-law woke up and his mother, which is Joe, my wife's grandmother, she was collapsed in the kitchen. And he rang the local pastor and said, come, you need to help me. They've been staying with a church, a little church, about 60, 70 people. And the pastor came and they rang the ambulance and the ambulance came and they said, we think she's got some kind of internal bleeding. And so they took her to the hospital and, and this pastor got on the phone and rang some of the people in the church. We've got to pray. We've got to pray for Audrey right now. She may die if we don't pray for God to intervene in her life. And he's in the car going back to the church and he's praying, Lord, she can't die. She's got six kids under 12 years of age. God, you've called her to do so much in the ministry. She's too young to die. And they began to pray and some people at the church gathered and they began to pray that morning as well. And then about 30 minutes later, the doctor rang and said, you've got to come now, pastor, because we think she may not live the next 30 minutes. We can't stop the bleeding. Something's happened in her life. And so sure enough, he gets in the car and he's not a, he's not a pastor of a massive big church or anything like that. He's just an average guy doing something for God, serving Jesus in his local community. He's driving in his car and he just starts praying in the Holy Spirit saying, God, you've got to do something. She cannot die. He starts speaking in tongues, sub. He's calling out to God. He walks in to the room. It was about an hour's drive to the hospital. And when he walks into the room, the sheet was already over Joe's grandma, Audrey. The death certificate had already been written 48 minutes before. And I don't know what it was because this pass is pretty ordinary. But when you get ordinary connected to supernatural God, extraordinary things begin to happen. And you know what? He walked up there and he said, something rose within me, something that's not of me. Faith rose within me. And I pulled back that sheet and he placed his hands on her head and he said, I speak death to come off her. I speak life to come come to her in the name of Jesus rise up and she opened up her eyes and said Frank what are you doing here it didn't matter that the doctor was an atheist it didn't matter that the nurse was agnostic they couldn't deny that a miracle had happened in their midst 
Because the next day she walked out of the hospital and they had to have an inquiry in the hospital why someone who had a death certificate written and signed walked out of the hospital the next day. Ordinary people connected to a supernatural God can do extraordinary things. I don't know, but a lot of the time I feel pretty ordinary. Any ordinary people out there, come on, raise your hand. But your ordinary connected to his supernatural can do extraordinary things. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so you might not trust in the power of God rather than human wisdom. A great friend of mine, he passes in the city of Brisbane about 15 years ago, was riding his motorbike like he did most Saturdays. He had a nice trail bike. He was up behind the mountains behind Brisbane. He, would, he was a bit of a speed demon. He was, uh, the night before, there'd been a massive storm, and he came around a corner at about 90 kilometers an hour, he said, and there was a tree, massive tree, had fallen over the fire trail. He said, I put the front wheel up, and I hit that thing doing a mono at 90 kilometers an hour. He became a human missile at 90 kilometers an hour through the air and he all he can remember is praying under his breath Jesus and hitting the tree and waking up a couple of hours later in the helicopter he would be like a javelin the other motorcyclist said hitting that tree straight like a pin he woke up in the Royal Brisbane spinal unit he woke up to see his pastor there his mum and dad there some friends there and there was a surgeon he said you've been asleep four days in a coma and they said I just need to say this while your parents are here you've severed your neck you've broken your spinal cord and you're going to be quadriplegic. You're never going to be able to use your arms and your legs again. The news was so shocking. But guess what? He had a mum and dad that believed God. He had a pastor who got the church praying, and they began to believe God, and they began to call out to God, because ordinary people connected to a supernatural God can do extraordinary things. And then over a couple of weeks, suddenly he was able to get movement in his hands, one hand and then the other. And then suddenly his toes and his knees, and to the absolute amazement to the spinal unit staff at the Brisbane Royal Brisbane Hospital. Eight weeks later, he stood there with the x-rays and the doctor saying, hey, this is your coming in and this is you leaving out. I don't know what it is. There's someone upstairs looking after you. All I can say is it is a miracle. A miracle of God. And Andrew is still serving God to this day. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. Our world is not looking for more words. It's not looking for more wisdom from man, but a demonstration of the power of God in your life and in my life. Two years ago, there was a businessman in our church. He's an accountant for Anglo-American. They're committed people in our church, and he's a very fit guy. He's 42 years of age, and, and he every year does the Noosa Triathlon. And uh, he was uh, done the cycling. He'd done the swim, done the cycling, and now was in the run. And he had some virus in his heart. He didn't know about it. And literally, about halfway through the run, his body went into internal meltdown. He just collapsed on the road. They called the paramedics. They took him to the hospital. They called his wife from Brisbane. She came up. And basically, as she was driving up to the Nambour Hospital, said, your, brother, your, your husband may die within the hour. She rings me up and said, Pastor Paul, this is what's happened. I don't know what's going on. You've got to pray. And so we get to church praying. We get everyone we know. Facebook on praying. That's one good thing you actually can use Facebook for. There's not many good things. But get people to pray, okay? It's, we're just getting people to pray and pray. And, and it was a miracle. He survived the night. He survived the next night. And then the doctor said, well, we think he's going to survive, but he's never going to be able to walk again. 
His internal organs have been so damaged and his muscles, have, all, the, all the muscles have been burned up in the energy to try and save his internal organs. He's never going to be able to walk again. He's never going to be able to go to work again. And I'm telling you, we prayed, we prayed. That whole first week, it was life or death every day, but people were praying. You see, we may feel very ordinary, but when ordinary people connect with a supernatural God, extraordinary things begin to happen. And every day, the doctors were dumbfounded. So we cannot believe Simon's recovery. It's amazing and he began to sit up and then he began to eat and six weeks down the track they brought him down to Brisbane to the hospital and they said well he's never going to be able to walk again and then eight weeks later he began to walk and he came to church on a Sunday and we prayed and we rejoiced and they said well he'll never be able to work again he's just not ever got the strength in his arms the muscle has been so melted within him and sure enough he went back to work at the Anglo-American company and pulled up not only that now he's running canoeing riding his bike he is a testimony to the glory of God To the glory of God, I came to you. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Timid and trembling and weakness. My message and my preaching were very plain. As Christians, quite often, we don't have the words to say. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. Today, church, we may feel weak and timid. We may feel that the world's culture is assaulting our senses with an agenda that is so anti-God and anti-biblical. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is within you. The same Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is living within you. And what did Jesus say? And greater works than these shall you do. In 1 Thessalonians 1.5, the Apostle Paul tells the believers it was not just with words that they declared the gospel, but with the power of God's Spirit, with signs, wonders and miracles. You see, the generation that we're living in right now in this 21st century is looking for something real. It's looking for something different. It's looking for something radically authentic. And it's time for us as Christians not to be seeker-sensitive, but to be supernaturally sensitive and demonstrate Christ's power and love for the city of Harvey Bay, for the state of Queensland, for the nation of Australia and the nations of the world. It's time for us as Christians not just to talk, but start to act out our faith. It's time for us as Christians not to rely upon our human wisdom, but demonstrate God's power in our lives for the world to see. It doesn't mean we become a bunch of spiritual weirdos or space cadets. Being weird doesn't mean being spiritual. Because you've got a flag or a horn or a ribbon doesn't mean you're spiritual. Ordinary people connected to a supernatural God do extraordinary things. God wants you to be supernaturally natural, naturally supernatural. You know, most of the gifts of the Spirit, when you read the New Testament, what didn't happen in a meeting. They happen in the marketplace of our lives. You know, I say this to our church. I love it when the gifts of the Spirit move in church, but they're not meant for church ultimately. Words of knowledge, wisdom, power, they're they're healing. They're for the community. We should be accessing. And you don't have to move in the word of knowledge and just in your workplace say, well, I just need to stop you right now. The Lord's given me a word of prophecy for you. You'll get kicked out. You say, hey, man, how you going? I was just thinking about you last week, and I was thinking this. And I've been amazed how the gifts of the Spirit can be so natural. And the world goes, wow, how did you know that? I remember growing up in church and 
Uh, we got saved, my parents got saved in the early 70s. It was a bit of a move of God in our church in Melbourne, Victoria. And I remember one time we, we had this lady, she got, she got healed. of a, She had a car accident, she had a broken leg from the, and a plaster cast all the way up here and around her body. And she got so radically healed in a service, she ripped it off and ran around the building shouting hallelujah. And she'd been saying hallelujah ever since. She would just say hallelujah in the most inappropriate moments of a sermon. And uh, she, we call her hallelujah Pat because she just loves saying that word. Because God had done something. And we had this other lady, because back then we had wooden pews in our church. And, and it was back when we had the redemptional hymn books, if you've been there back that long. And, and, uh, and this lady, we used to call her the kettle, because she was a little bit larger. And, um, and when there, sometimes there'd be little pause after communion, she'd start, we'd call the kettle's going to boil the kettles, because she'd start rocking in the pew, and the whole pew would begin to move. She would begin to shake under the presence of the Lord, and she'd go, and we go, the kettle's going to blow, the kettle's going to blow. We were just kids. And then suddenly, and she'd go, and we'd go, the kettle's blowing, the kettle's blowing. And um, we used to love her. Her name was, her name was Valerie. And so um, we, we were just having a great time in church. And, and sure enough, um, one holidays, my cousins came over. And my cousins weren't Christians at all. They were definitely not Christians. There's five brothers and they came and stayed with us. And I used to dread them coming to church because my cousins were so sarcastic and so negative. They teased me about everything that happened in church. You know, oh, you had communion, you had a little snack in church because you couldn't make two hours. And they just pay out everything about church the whole time. And, and so I, did, I, I just wanted them to come to church and nothing strange to happen. Because you know what, I just don't want anything to be teased about for the next week. I was about 12 years of age. And so sure enough, we're coming to church and praise choruses and the worship choruses and announcements. Everything's pretty boring. It's going great. And, uh, and so sure enough, and I'm thinking we're going to get through this service. And suddenly, literally, in the middle as he starts his sermon, the pastor, I hear this, hallelujah, hallelujah. Patsy, okay, she must have come late this morning, but she's, she's shouting out from the back row. And I'm like, just calm down, calm down. I don't want to get teased by my cousins. And sure enough, then I felt, oh no. I felt the pew begin to shake. And she's like, the pews begin to shake. And then shut the just The kettle, she just went off, man. She just like burst out there. And I'm just like, going, oh no, man, my cousins are going to tease me. And the service went well. And then we started praying for people and it was awesome. We get in the car afterwards and I'm like, oh my goodness. And my mum, my mum's one of those happy mums. She's always happy when she's been to church. And she turns around to all and says, hey kids, how did you enjoy church today? And I looked at my cousin who was the most sarcastic. He goes, it was pretty boring at first. Until that lady started heckling from the back row. That was amazing. The hair on the back of my neck started standing up. She's shouting hello or something or other. It was amazing. The atmosphere changed. And he said, then this, then this, I felt the seats begin to move. And he said, there was this lady, she was like an erupting volcano. She started shaking behind us. And he said, I felt goosebumps on my arms. He said, I don't know what's going on, but can we go again tonight? That was amazing. I want to encourage you. I believe as a church and as Christians, we need to be relevant. We need to be contemporary. That's what I love about Planet Shakers. I've been involved with Planet Shakers for 22 years. And uh, when we started that conference, but I believe it's old school, new school. We need to be old school, Bible, Pentecostal, spirit filled, but we need to communicate in a way this generation knows. That's why it's important you embrace new songs in church. Embrace new ways of communicating the gospel. We need to be contemporary, I believe that. We need to be relevant in our music and our communication of God's word. But that alone will not be enough to change a city. Being trendy will not change a high school. 
or a workplace or see your university turned upside down. God has seasons in the kingdom. And I believe as the church in Australia, we're going to come to a season of signs, wonders and miracles. Not that we can say, wow, awesome, look how good we are, but that we can see multitudes of people come to Christ because they can't deny the power of his word and his presence. You see, that's what Pentecost is for. Pentecost is not for us to receive a good feeling and have a great experience. That is side effect. Pentecost is this, Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you. So you can feel good? No. So you can be a witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the uttermost parts of the world. I believe that part of our church culture, part of our church character is to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Ultimately, we'll see thousands of people come to Christ. A faceless generation of ordinary people connecting to a supernatural God that it becomes miracles become a daily part of our lifestyle. A revival not of faces, revival not of personalities, but of ordinary people rising up in the call of God upon their life, in the workplace, on the school campus. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to the local church and saying, get ready. I want to move in your life. I want to expand the influence of the church in the city. I want to see the lost radically come home into relationship with Jesus Christ. God is saying what he said in Joshua 3.5, purify yourselves for tomorrow I will do great wonders amongst you. Some person said to me one time, I said, well, Paul, we never see miracles in the Australian, the Western church. That's rubbish. We see them all the time. Yeah, yeah. He said, well, where are the miracles? And tonight, I just want to give you four declarations tonight, and then we're going to pray. Where are the miracles of God in 2017? People say, well, when I go to Africa, I see miracles. I've seen miracles in Africa, but I've seen them in Asia, Australia, America. Yeah. See, God doesn't respond to need. If God responded to need, he'd just live in Bangladesh and Somalia and some of those poorest nations. And if God responds to faith and hunger, where are the miracles? Number one, they're this, if you're taking notes. The miracles are in prayer and holy living. At the moment in our church, God is just so challenging us to lift the level of corporate prayer in our church. James chapter 5 tells us the fervent, not the sleepy. When I have a corporate prayer meeting, don't come with your devotional prayer. Do that at home in your study, in your car, contemplate upon the Lord. When we come to pray at church, man, we're going for it. Get rid of the chairs. We're going to walk up and down. We're going to take the city. We're going to march around Jericho. We're going to pray. The prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us and he prayed. It did not rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and it rained. One prayer was very powerful. I want to encourage you, church. I want to encourage you as individual Christians. Your prayers... Set in motion miracles. Who has ever had God answer a prayer in their life? Who's ever had God provide you financially after you've prayed? Who's ever had healing in their body after prayer? Who's ever had direction for major life decisions after you've prayed? Who's ever been protected from danger and stupidity after your own prayer? (laughs) Prayer is powerful. Your prayer works. Prayer is how we plug into his power. But it's holiness. Holiness is a landing strip for God's anointing. Joshua 3, 5 says, purify yourself. Purify yourselves for tomorrow I want to do great wonders amongst you. I believe God's going to do a new season of signs, wonder, miracles through Christians in the local church, in their workplaces, and the school campus, every, every, in the local community. But we've got to get ready for what God wants to do. It's a little bit like when you do the household chores at home. 
Now, um, occasionally, my wife will say, I'm going out, you need to vacuum while I'm away. Now, I have a major problem. I think there's discrimination against men with household appliances. They're always for a shorter height. I'm six foot three. You know, dishwasher's down low, sink's down low. And we got this vacuum cleaner. And, I, and we, my wife had bought this brand new vacuum cleaner. And she goes, can you just vacuum? Sure, honey, I'll do that while she's out. I started vacuuming. And I, after about three minutes, I think this thing's not working. She's bought a dud. This, I've spent $400 on this thing. doesn't work. And I'm like, Trish. So I ring her up and say, hey, hun, the vacuum cleaner's not working. And she said, have you checked if the bag is full? I said, what bag? She said, there's a bag in there. Check if it's full. So I, in the middle of the lounge room, open up the top. That little dust, it's pretty fine. And then I'm sort of trying to seal it, and it follows you outside the house. And so I shook the bag out, and I put the bag back in, and suddenly I turned it on. It was incredibly powerful. I'm sucking up the cat, the curtains. It's just like amazing, the power, because now it's not filled. You see, that's an illustration of our lives. When we're filled with the world, we're filled, we're not, there's no power in our lives. We've got to get all the dirt out. We've got to purify ourselves for tomorrow God wants to do great wonders amongst us. The Bible tells us that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us and he's not an average spirit. And he's not a dirty spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. What does the word holy mean? It means set apart for his purposes. Purify yourselves so tomorrow I want to do great wonders amongst you. Are we ready for God to use us? Are we vessels empty Set aside for his work. Jesus wants us to be contemporary, but not compromising. And God wants us to live holy lives. Not just by worshipping God and going to church and trying to be good. We need to get the word of God into our spirit and into our lives. Eat it, digest it. What Psalm 119.11 says, it says, I hid your word in my heart that I would not sin against you. Holiness is like insurance. James says it's like a mirror in our lives. Romans 12.1.2 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this... This too much to ask. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. I want to encourage you today. God wants us to come with prayer and holy living so we can set forth something new in the Spirit for the things of God. Hebrews says that by faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You say, Paul, how can I? We live in a perverse generation. Yes, we do live in a perverse generation. And I'm telling you, I, I, we need to pray for our young people because there's more bombardment on their senses than ever been in the history of mankind through the internet and social media and the peer pressure to be conformed to the image of this world. But you know what's awesome? It says in the, the book of Isaiah that Isaiah, in the year the, year the Lord, the, uh, King Isaiah died, Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. He, was, he suddenly came into his presence and he felt tainted by a perverse generation, the word says. All of us in this room, and especially our young, are tainted by a perverse generation. You just have to go to work, you have to turn on the TV and the internet, and you get tainted by a perverse generation. But the Bible says that there was a conversation in heaven and, and, and it says that he was touched by the coals of the altar and instantaneously he was made holy. And then there was a conversation in heaven saying, there's something we need to do. Whom shall we send? Whom shall we go? And then for, he goes from tainted, perverse generation, touched by the presence of God, become holy by God. And then he goes, here am I, send me.
In a moment, someone can walk off the streets of this city, so perverse and tainted by this generation, encounter the fire of God, the coals of the altar of God, and then put their hand up the next day and say, here am I, send me. Where are the miracles? They're in prayer and holy living. Second thing, where are the miracles? They're in obedience to God. John 14 says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, Samuel says the soul to obey God is better than any sacrifice in your life. You know, I've always had a hunger to move in the gifts of the Spirit and work out things of God. And I remember years ago, I was about 19 years of age and I did my first ever youth camp. It was in the Northern Territory. And um, there was about 300 kids at this camp and they'd driven, some had driven three days to be there from Tennant Creek and Alice Springs and, and it was just a group of people and, and every, I, I probably only had about three sermons, they came out every sermon and uh, I was like, you know, pray for your friends, believe for your friends to get saved, let's believe God's a God of miracles and, and uh, you know, I, I shared that the first night, I shared that the second morning, now, Saturday night, I don't know what it is, but most youth camps, that's when God moves, I don't know why God likes Saturday night, but that's when he moves and it's um, coming up to the Saturday night meeting this young girl, she's about 13, she's bouncing on a trampoline. And this big kid jumped on the trampoline, bounced it off the trampoline in front of me, and she landed on the concrete. And her ankle just swelled up like a watermelon right before me. Dark purple. She was crying. They put an ice pack on it. And, and, uh, and then I, I just walked, I was walking, to, it was just before the meeting was about to start. And then I heard some kids say, no, don't worry about it. Pastor Paul's a man of God. He's going to pray for us. She's going to get healed tonight. And I'm like, like, no, well, I don't know if she's going to get here. I don't know. And I'm freaking out. I started freaking out. I've been telling the kids all weekend they can lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. But now they're going to put the pressure on me. Well, what happens if I pray and nothing happens? And sure, I get to the, the meeting that night. And there she is in the front row with her leg up there like neon signs. Pray, Pastor Paul, pray. And uh, so we go through the praise. We go through the worship. I get up to preach. I preach real short. Every meeting in that camp, I've done huge altar calls. I got to the end and said, okay, I just feel the Holy Spirit wants to do something different tonight. We're not going to have an altar call. We're just going to meditate what the Lord says. And I ran out the back door. And, uh, and then I heard these kids. I was back behind the curtain. Well, Pastor Paul's not going to pray for it. Let's pray for ourselves. And then I, got some, I heard some teenagers start speaking in tongues. Then I heard some screams. I thought, oh, no, they're making a walk on a broken ankle. I'm going to get sued. And next thing I heard, not only that, then I heard screams of hallelujah, praise God, Jesus is awesome. And she is running up and down the altar after these teenagers, and she's screaming, Jesus has healed me, Jesus. And those teenagers saw the ankle just like shrink before their very eyes and be made whole. And I went straight to my room, got down on my knees and repented before God and said, God, you never asked me to heal her. You just asked me to pray for the sick and you will raise them up. See, I tell you where the miracles are. They're in obedience. And every day, God gives us opportunities to sh shout someone's lunch. Oh, was that God prompting me? Was that my own thoughts? Well, who cares if it was God or your own thoughts? It's still a good thing to do. We, we try and rationalize everything. God's speaking to us all the time. We just got to step out in obedience. And the more you step out, the more confident you become that you've heard the voice of God. God is speaking to you all the time. Where are the miracles? They're in obedience. Second, third thing is this. Where are the miracles? They're in the name of Jesus. I'm amazed how powerful the name of Jesus is. You know, when we, in Australia, in, in our colloquialism, no one, when drops a drill on their foot, says, oh, Buddha. Or bumps into their head on the wall and says, oh, Muhammad. Or knocks their head down and says, oh, Julia Gillard. No, they don't say any of those things. They say, oh, Jesus. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. 
Peter and John are going to the temple and there's a beggar there and they've seen him every day. They say, silver and gold we do not have, but what we give unto you. There's no power in us. In the name of John and Peter, in the name of Bayside Ministry, no, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, your name may not be powerful. My name has no authority. People don't open the doors when they hear my name or roll out the red carpet. But we have got a name that's above every other name. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. The Bible says demons tremble in fear at the very mention of the name of Jesus Christ. And yet we just glibly go, oh, yeah, Jesus. I don't feel like worshipping that name. That name is powerful. Ordinary people connected to a supernatural God do extraordinary. Every, Satan is afraid of that name. The devil is defeated every time Christians exercise the power and the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. One year I was in the Philippines on a missions trip. And it was in 1989, there was massive communist insurgency on the island of Mindanao. And we had to have military escorts, we're going places. And, and um, we went to this one town. This town used to have 120,000 people in it, but now it was down to 15,000 people. Because the MPA had been first targeted the civic leaders, assassinated the mayor, head Catholic priest. They would just go through and then people started leaving. And uh, this one particular church we'd been to, there'd been about 500 people in the morning service and, and they'd stayed the whole time. This town was 120,000, now down to 20,000 because of fear. And he, had, he told us he'd had so many assassination attempts in his life. He told a story one time, he was driving along and he, he just felt this fear. So he started declaring the name of Jesus, driving his Volkswagen. He worked at the Pepsi factory. He's driving to work. And as he's driving around the corner, his little 1969 VW comes around the corner, Beetle, these three men with machine guns shoot at him and he just drives straight past he says, it was like I was in some kind of special military vehicles. The bullets just didn't, I just kept driving. I just declaring the name of Jesus. Then his wife said, well, God quite often wakes me in the middle of the night. And I just have to declare the name of Jesus, that the name of Jesus is going to protect our family. And after about six assassination attempts and nothing had happened, these communist rulers formed what they called a sparrow squad and they shed blood and they said, we're not going to eat or drink until we assassinate this pastor and his family. They need to leave town. So sure enough, they planned this one morning, they're going to do it in the middle of the night. She gets woken up and she feels the Spirit of God say, you need to start praying. She starts praying. She's declaring the blood of Jesus. She's declaring Christ is lifted up over their home. And then the Lord says to go and prepare a meal. She says, I'm not praying for a meal for my husband. He's in bed. It's four o'clock in the morning. He says, prepare a meal. She got some rice. She got some bananas. She got some Pepsi because they had it on tap. And, uh, and the Lord said to her, go across the road. There's someone behind the bush. You need to feed him. And here was this, these commandos, these sparrow forces around the house. And at daybreak, they're going to burst in, throw some handguns and shoot the whole family assassinate him well what she doesn't realize this man hasn't eaten for a whole week she comes around the side of the place at 4 a.m. in the morning and she says the Lord told me to give you this food and the man started crying ate the food and she led him to Jesus and he was the bass guitarist on the Sunday church service there is power in the name of Jesus you may not have a personal name that causes people to stop and take notice but we have a name Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ. Would you just stand for one moment and give God 30 seconds of praise? Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus in this place. Hallelujah. You are awesome. 
We give you praise. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, you can take your seat. Could I have the keyboard player come? We're going to finish a moment. Lastly, where are the miracles? The miracles are in the power of the Holy Spirit. I came to you in weakness. A lot of days I wake up, I don't feel that strong in God. I'm a pastor. I get paid to be a Christian. doesn't mean I'm perfect. Wake up feeling weak, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. You see, what we don't realize as Christians, we have such an advantage over the rest of the world. You and God are a majority. All the resource and power of heaven is at your disposal as a spirit-filled, born-again Christian. The Holy Spirit can give you keys to breakthrough, keys to open doors, keys to open people's lives, creativity to do business, wisdom to deal with people. The Word of God says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to encourage you today. The Spirit of God wants to move through you and in you. Ordinary people connected to a supernatural God do extraordinary things. I'm telling you, I'm pretty ordinary. My dad's a cabinet maker. My mum's a hairdresser. Their, Their marriage was on the rocks. Someone invited them to church. And in their 30s, they gave their life to Christ. That's how we started this Christian journey. Both my brothers and our pastors, God did something. But we are ordinary. Sometimes you think, I'm just so ordinary. What God, well, David felt ordinary. His dad didn't even think he was good enough to bring him in front of the prophet. But ordinary, connected to supernatural, God can do extra. This book is filled with average, ordinary people that got connected to a supernatural God and God used them to do extraordinary things for you. So rejoice in your ordinary. But get connected to God because He can do the extraordinary. There's a power for us to lay hold of. It's the resource of heaven to get the job done. It's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that moved over the face of the earth in creation. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon Moses when he parted the Red Sea. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon Joshua. He crossed over River Jordan. He shout, and the walls of Jericho came down. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon Samson when he defeated the Philistines. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon Deborah when she annihilated the enemies of Israel. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon Samuel as a boy to be a prophet unto the nations. It's the same Holy Spirit that became David that he took down the lion, the bear, and then Goliath. It's the same Holy Spirit that rested upon Elijah and then in a double portion upon Elisha. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon Isaiah and Jeremiah and all of the prophets. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon a virgin teenager called Mary and she miraculously conceived the Son of God. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon the life of Jesus and He walked in miracle power when He was here on earth. It's the same Holy Spirit that came to 120 disciples in the upper room with tongues of fire and a wind of the Spirit and they spoke in tongues. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon Peter on that porch and he preached his first sermon and 3,000 people got saved. It's the same Holy Spirit 
Spirit that when the disciples in the book of Acts prayed, the very foundations of the building where they were began to shake. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon Paul and Silas who began to pray and praise in the prison. And their praise reached on the Richter scale of heaven. And God sent an earthquake down. And the chains came off. And the doors came open. And the people got free. It's the same Holy Spirit that on the third day rose Jesus Christ from the dead. And it's the same Holy Spirit that's living and dwelling within you and me because we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We're channels of His power. He inhabits and dwells within us. I want you to listen to this carefully. We are possessed with a power that's not of this world. The Holy Spirit is not limited by nature's laws. The Holy Spirit's not limited by man's power or authority. The Holy Spirit's not limited by man's opinion. The Holy Spirit is released by a believer's faith and prayer. The miracles are in the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand your feet all over this place? And if you're ordinary, would you raise your hand towards God? Because I want to declare the scripture over you. I'm pretty ordinary. I'm not that special, not that talented. But man, I love that we're connected to a supernatural God that does extraordinary things. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. What? According to the what? The power. It's not you, it's the power. The Holy Spirit working within us. To Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That power works within us. Would you lift up your hands towards the Lord? If you can speak in tongues, would you just pray in that heavenly language? Lord, I pray. I pray for a refreshing today. A refreshing of your spirit. A refreshing of your anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? That's the lie the devil tells us that we're ordinary, that we're not special, so how could God use it? But every man and woman of God that I've known has been all pretty ordinary. Every Bible character I've read about has got faults and frailties. But when they say yes and step out in obedience, when they start to pray impossible prayers, not prayers like, Lord, bless this food, amen. Prayers like you're in the middle of Thailand or India and you're praying over your food with passion. Lord, bless this food to my body in the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs> Prayer is an amazing thing. But I just feel that. I just feel it's like the devil's stolen some people's confidence. He's lied to you. But guess what? Take it as a badge of, yes, I am ordinary, but I'm connected to a supernatural God. I don't know why, I just feel like the Lord wants to take off burdens off your life. And if you say that, Paul, I, I felt just, I just felt average. 
I'm telling you, God makes average people amazing people. You are the right candidate for the kingdom of God. You're the right person for God. God's not after perfection. God's after availability and openness, hunger and faith. Have you read some of these characters? Sometimes we make these characters like they're some super people. Peter was a wally. He's an absolute idiot sometimes. Speaking before he thinks. Some of the things that these guys in the Bible did, people lied to God about the offering. God struck them dead. They were pretty ordinary people. And you know what? They're just like you and me. But I want to draw a line in the sand this weekend. Saying, you know what? This next term, man, I'm going to be ordinary, but I'm going to connect to supernatural God. So His power can flow me into extraordinary things. If you feel that ordinariness, this is an altar call for ordinariness, for averageness. You're the right candidate for God. And I just want for a moment, we're going to worship God for a moment. I want you to come to the altar. We're going to pray that God would refresh you and empower you today. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.